Welcome to New Game Netcast, the official podcast of NewGameNetwork.com. This is episode 16 for Sunday, November 11th, 2012. Today on the show, Grand Theft Auto V coming in spring 2013, Cinemora on PC this week, Game of Thrones Beyond the Wall DLC, Sniper Elite version 2 multiplayer patch, Battlefield 1942 for free. Article recap includes Chivalry, 007 Legends, Madden NFL 13, Den Central 3, Halo 4, and Need for Speed Most Wanted. News around the industry includes The Last Guardian, Skyrim DLC on PS3, Lost Atari Game, Sony Stock Lord, and Navy SEALs Disciplined for Medal of Honor Warfighter. Our extra section has the Halo 4 vs. Warfighter reviews. Father changes pronouns in Zelda so daughter can play as a girl Link. And People Can Fly developer suggests that we should kill gameplay. Hello everybody, welcome to the New Game Nightcast, the official podcast of the Game Network. It is Sunday, November 11th, 2012, episode 16. My name is Alex, and I'm joined by Evan. Ahoy! Nick. Howdy. And Tim. Hello. And we've got all kinds of exciting topics on the schedule today. Riddle me this, Alex. Or, okay, anyone. Uh, just because this has never happened to me before. So I live in, you know, in Washington where it's always overcast. But three days ago, even though it was overcast, and even though I was inside, I had to put on a pair of sunglasses. Or rather, I was given a pair of sunglasses, and they said, go ahead and wear this. And uh, and it's the and it was in a situation that you find yourself in maybe once a year, maybe. The dentist. Once. Yeah. How, how'd you know? They give they give me sunglasses as well. I've never ever seen that happen. Sunglasses. It's only one person that gives them to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was gonna say next time if they give you a paper bag, you know where this is going. Another fun dentist fact that I posted on my Facebook. I finally, I asked my dentist that great meta question. I asked him where he went to get his dentist work done. Answer, he doesn't. He doesn't get any He does it himself. No, he doesn't even, he doesn't even do it himself. He doesn't do his own cleanings. He doesn't get checkups. <laughs> he doesn't even look with the mirror. He just brushes and flosses and knows that that's good enough. Huh. So that means if I brush and floss, I don't have to go to the dentist. If you do a really good job, is the thing. I don't do a very good job. Okay. Yeah, I needed to die. I was so embarrassed, especially because his assistant was kind of cute. He was like, well, you look like a nice person, but your back teeth are covered with tartar. <laughs> just got to lie and go, oh, this past week's been so busy, I just haven't had the time. But before mm-hmm. that, they were sparkling clean, I assure you. There we go, yeah. Although I then realized that as, as fun as the idea it would be of hooking up with a dentist assistant, I suddenly realized it wouldn't be that fun because there's nothing left for her to explore. <laughs> anyway. You should have been like, uh, man, I was so busy, you know, between my work at the orphanage and all the donations yeah. that I make. It was just, I couldn't find the time. <laughs> I work at Mensa. Poor boy. Uh, I work at Mensa at the orphanage, handing out puppies. You know. Yeah, playing you know, playing for the Seattle Mariners yeah, just doesn't really leave much time. Yeah, you know, you can't, you can't just, just last week I was out helping my friend Nick in New York after the hurricane. Oh providing I, him with all the essentials. <laughs> my body warmth is necessary. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am alive, by the way. Yeah. That's good. Actually it wasn't too bad here. We uh, we only lost power for about uh, ten hours. That's not that bad. 
Yeah, yeah, we're, four, I guess. Uh, I've been yeah, we're in like a little island of safety right here. Like it, you go four blocks in any direction and there's power lines down everywhere and stuff. It's kind of crazy. Starting with some top news on the site. I like that delay. That's real radio-like professional. Yeah, I noticed. I'm so glad that you took it first. Pause for effect. Yeah. So, Grand Theft Auto V is announced as coming in 2013. Uh, Cinemora is out on PC this week. Uh, Game of Thrones Beyond the Wall DLC has been announced. Sniper Elite Version 2 multiplayer patch arrives on consoles. And Battlefield 1942 becomes a free download. So, uh, the biggest news of the past two weeks by far was the... uh, (coughs) first leak and then official announcement that Grand Theft Auto 5 is coming in the spring. Not for the PC. Not for the PC. (laughs) (laughs) Only for uh, Xbox 360 and PS3. That was pretty rough. That was sad news to get. What was? Not for the PC. Well, it's expected, I suppose. It's expected, but still sad. Yeah. Especially after Max Payne 3. Because they did such a good job with the PC version on that, and then we get the slap in the face with this. I guess we should expect so did, it as far. Did start. they make an announcement about when the PC version is coming out, or did they just say it's going to be at a later date? They didn't even say it's existing. Oh. Hmm. What did they say? It's like, we don't have any, uh, we're focusing on the console versions right now, I think that's what they said, or something like that. Oh, ouch. It's usually how it goes, though, for this yeah. particular series. And, you know, given the not-so-good Grand Theft Auto 4 PC port, um, hopefully this turns out a little better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you want them to put in time to make it good. Are you guys excited for Grand Theft Auto 5? To tell the truth, I was never the biggest fan of the series, but hey, you know, whatever works. Where's it taking place this time? Los Santos? I thought it was back in Liberty City. No. Um, I think they... Isn't it? It's, nope. it's Los Angeles. It's not Liberty City. Yeah. It's not. I don't know what it's. They, I thought they said they, you could expect like Nico Bellic to show up back in it and stuff. What? Where are you getting know. this? I, I'm <laughs> skimming stuff. I, to be honest, I'm actually. I was gonna say I'm not that excited about Grand Theft Auto Five. Um, so I, I haven't been really scoping out a lot of info for it. You know, they, they just I, revealed the other day that it's gonna have three playable protagonists. I mean, isn't this is going to be bigger than uh, Red Dead Redemption's world, San Andreas, yeah. and Grand Theft Auto 4 combined? So it's going to be rather massive. Dang. Yeah, that's crazy. hope they fill it with good like, content, and it's not just an empty space with long missions that happen to take up a lot of area. <laughs> well, it has a full, gar- a full golf course, allegedly. So uh, that'll take up some yeah. space, I guess. And you can go underwater, too. Oh, that's kind of cool. No, I like that. <laughs> Yeah, as, as long as the spaces are, are different and they've got some variety to them and different activities you can do, that that could be great. You know? No, five, five will get you ten. If they make the golf course all the way playable, you will have people you know, spending two hours doing all 18 holes. I'm going to do it. <laughs> you, know, it's go, gonna go. Be, you know it's going to be a minigame. Oh, dear. It's going to be that. Yeah. You know, I did spend an inordinate amount of time bowling in Grand Theft Auto 4. <laughs> Yeah, see, it used, it's so funny because the mini games used to be things like beating up people on the street, and, and you know, but now 
it's it's as if the target uh, playing audience is getting older at an exponential rate. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, now we're all into bowling and, and golf, and then in the next Grand Theft Auto, the mini game is going to be centered around you know just re- reliving memories and <laughs> look, looking at old family pictures. Watching the kids at the playground. All <laughs> oh, right. Next up, uh, Cinemora, which was released on consoles uh, earlier this year, is now available on PC. So your uh, 2D shooter madness needs can be satisfied. 2.5D. 2.5. Yeah. Well, okay. Just fancy talk. Yeah, yeah. It's only yeah, so, it's only ten dollars, I believe. Yeah. I've heard good things about this, but I haven't tried it out yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I, I love my shoot 'em ups, but uh, it's actually it only came out on Xbox. We're still waiting for it on uh, on PS3. Uh, right, it's been yeah. it's been announced for uh, the Vita. Uh, I think it has a release date for that, but nothing on the PSN yet. If anything, it's great to see that this is one of those genres that just will not die ever. I think in in the future, when we're all you know, when virtual reality is hooked up to our brains and everything, we're still going to have these side scroller shooter, you know, bullet storm type games and then that's great always fun what's well, yeah, so it's like side scrolling no 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 i say bullet <laughs> I, I say bullet storm because i'm not sure if alex will let me get away with bullet hell which is what it's really called but what i mean i won't let you get what okay never mind <laughs> but is that is that explicit well i don't know you no no it's not i don't bullet, so. bullet hell everyone that's what it is that's what this game is called that's this genre of game when there are people schmup Bullets, oh yeah, shoot them up. Bullets flying all over the place, and you have to dodge them. All right. Yeah, I'm all, I'm psyched for it. I'm ready to play Cinemora. I'm also waiting for a uh, Big Sky Infinity. Should be announced uh, coming out in December, I would think. So I'm gonna have all the shmups I can handle later on this year. What does Cinemora mean anyway? What language is that? Or is it just one of those cool titles that just sounds cool and but actually doesn't apply to the game, like Deus Ex? It's probably one of those. Probably. But I haven't played the game. That's just speculation. That's your homework assignment. Look it up. Got it. Game of Thrones Beyond the Wall DLC has been announced. And this is one of the uh, first and maybe last DLC pieces to be released for the game. Um, I'm not sure how many people are anticipating or still playing the game, considering it released way back in May of this year. And uh, not exactly to a very high critical acclaim, including... Uh, our own site. But uh, if you're looking for more uh, Game of Thrones that's accurate to the books and maybe the TV series, I suppose you should pick it up. If anything, it's kind of nice to see DLC that's focused around the single player, which is what I think this is. Ex- extending the storyline and all that jazz. Well, given that I don't think it has multiplayer. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I'm used to uh, I'm used to multiplayer games coming out with, you know, more maps and more... Uh, goodies, but uh, I personally but, prefer that because well, you want you want your story to be a complete experience. You don't want to be like, oh well, here's more about this <clears throat> character and his fate, but you have to buy the DLC to find out. Yeah, and well, and this DLC apparently is a prequel on a character too, right? So that yeah, yeah. so it, it tells the story of what the uh, the Night's Watch character. Have you guys read Game of Thrones? Yep. Well, I watched the show. I watched so the show. Far. Yeah, it's gonna. So so it's his experience on the wall and, and well, beyond the wall, uh, before all uh, the events of the game. So it's him fighting wildlings, probably, and weird monsters and such that are all out there. Well, it has a lot of potential to be great, but I feel like it probably won't live up to the uh, potential. That's my uh, view, anyways. 
I'm a, I'm a little yeah. worried that just because the you know the game wasn't that that big of a hit and people kind of complained about the writing just a little, and even though it's nice to see DLC coming for it, it it feels like it might be a little small. What is it? This is five bucks for two hours of gameplay. Yeah, my my guess is that this is something that they were probably prepping for, you know, fitting a little bit closer to the release window, and when the game wasn't really well-received, they probably just pulled it back and left a skeleton crew there to complete this DLC and get it out. Yeah, so maybe this is a a downsized expansion. Yeah. Kind of a shame. It would be nice to see, like, a a Game of Thrones game that can succeed and tell more new stories with each DLC pack and kind of get you, you know, into the environments and see, like, all of, you know, Westeros. Yeah, I agree. Game of Thrones was a great as a book, great as a TV series, but maybe it's just running out of media that it can be stellar at. Yeah, well, you know, it's just one of these things where whenever they make these transitions to game, they're always kind of ham-handed, or they don't, you know, give the money that's allotted to make it really good, you know. And I don't know that's because it's a game, but I mean, like, look at the amount of resources that they had to throw out the HBO show to make it solid. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, and they're just never going to put that towards a game. Maybe, yeah, well, not to be pessimistic, but it could be that for the game of Game of Thrones, at least, winter is indeed coming. So, keep it uh, up. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking hey. of more DLC, and uh, delayed DLC, I suppose, uh, Sniper Elite version 2 finally got... Multiplayer modes on consoles. Uh, this is something that was released alongside the PC version, uh, but the PS3 and Xbox 360 are just getting multiplayer patched in now as a free update. So if you're still, again, if you're still playing this game that released way back in uh, spring, then now is the time to check out online, and as you're going up against the Halo and Call of Duty... Oh, I suppose yeah. this was a good time to release a multiplayer mode <laughs> oh, yeah. on consoles. So, And finally, to celebrate the Battlefield anniversary, uh, Battlefield 1942 is now available as a free download from Origin on PC. So for those of us or people that are listening who uh, want to give this game another go after all these years, now is a good time to do it. EA have uh, conveniently hidden it in the demo section on Origin, so it takes a little bit of time to find. But Clever. Once you get there, it's a free download until, I think, <gasps> spring of next year. And after that, it's probably going to be paid again, so grab it now while you can. One thing that's worth mentioning is that you can only play this version of Battlefield 1942 with other people who got it from Origin in the same way. You can't play it with the... Uh, original version that isn't on oh, Origin. was that right? Yeah. Well, that's going to limit the player base a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little. As much love as I have for the game, that could be somewhat crippling. But again, who plays the original version still, anyways? I'm, I'm pretty sure there are people who still, who still do. <laughs> Those crazy people. Move on, man, it's 2012. Okay. Okay. On to the article recap. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Let's take a look at some of the articles we've had published over the past couple weeks. Uh, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale preview was up. Uh, We got reviews of Chivalry Medieval Warfare, which got a 74. Um, I believe that's pronounced... Chivalry? Chivalry? Chivalry. 
why you make fun of my accent. Uh, we had reviews of Chivalry Medieval Warfare, which got a 74, uh, 007, 007, Bond, <sighs> James Bond, Legends, <laughs> got a 55, uh, Madden NFL 13, got a 76. Surprised uh, you didn't call it Maiden. You know what? Dance Central 3, <laughs> got a 84, Deponia, 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 got an 80. Uh, Halo 4 got an 85, A Need for Speed Most Wanted got a 70, and Hotline <clears throat> Miami got an 84. And we'll kick it off with Tim, who did Chivalry. Chival- chivalry? Yes, Chiv- I did. Chivalry. So, chivalry. This is like a ch- chivalry, you know, the, the, the manners that knights have. Just go, just go. Being, being nice to people, to women and children. and Portly. Yeah. Anyways, it, Chivalry Medieval Warfare is a medieval combat game in the same vein as uh, Mountain Blade Warband, at least the multiplayer component of that game. But the thing is, it has an emphasis on a first-person view, and it uh, also has some of the most brutal and satisfying daily combat I've ever seen in a game. Huh. Like, the, the weapons actually had an incredible sense of weight to them, and when you actually hit another player, it feels incredibly empowering. But you can't just go in flailing your weapon around, because uh, you really need to learn kind of the, uh, get into the flow of combat, like uh, timing your blocks and uh, knowing what attack to use when and all these things. So it takes a bit of uh, getting used to, but once you get used to the combat, it is fantastic. Now, the downside is that it's quite buggy right now. It, it had one patch, so it's not quite as bad as it was on launch. So they fixed the crashing for the most part. The server browser has been fixed, but I still have encountered a lot of bugs surrounding unlocks, and uh, I had like all my level unlocks reset once for no apparent reason. And oh. uh, animation bugs, and uh, getting stuck in the terrain, all those kinds of things. But I think once they release another patch or two, it'll be definitely a game worth checking out for pretty much anyone, because it is a ton of fun. So this is a focus on PvP, just multiplayer? Yes, it's it's multiplayer only. But it, the main mode is actually, it's called, like, Team Objective, where basically one team has to defend, and the other team has to complete a series of objectives, which are somewhat ridiculous. Like, in one in one match, you need to pillage a village which involves burning the houses and murdering the peasants. Then you push a battering ram up to a castle door, ram down the door while the enemy pours boiling oil on your head, mm-hmm. and then run into the castle and kill the king. And so all the maps have like these multi-stage objectives. And they're actually all a lot of fun. That actually sounds really good. It's worth a look. It's, it's great fun. Uh, next up, we have... 007 Legends, <laughs> which is uh, something that I did, and it unfortunately isn't able to live up to the idea of having all these great Bond films uh, turn into games and put on a single disc. It's, uh, from a gameplay perspective, very uninspired and derivative, uh, plays like a really old Call of Duty style game, uh, the visuals don't help it, and uh the, the fact that they included all these classic films, but there's zero kind of backstory or introduction to any of them because you kind of just get dumped into the game 
at a certain point uh, of a movie story. Uh, so you, if you haven't seen these films in a while, you're going to be kind of like, well, what the heck's going on? Why do I care? What's Bond doing in this place? And what is he mm-hmm. trying to accomplish? And it's just uh, kind of disappointing all around. That's a shame, because recently the James Bond movies have been getting better, but the games have been getting worse. Hmm. Well, even, uh, I mentioned that in a review, last year's uh, Reloaded was quite good, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a same developer, but uh, you just kind of wonder what happened with this one, because it's really not as good. Well, come to think so, of it, I don't think I don't think James Bond has ever been particularly well known for games, except for that stint on the N sixty four. What about Nightfire? That was an awesome game. No, oh, I never tried that, so maybe maybe <laughs> that was good. So this goes back. Is it, this is like old classic Bond movies, like like Moonraker and yeah. Die Another Day, something like that. Yeah. Oh man, that, that's kind of weird to me because. So many of the old Bond movies have so little to do with combat. <laughs> yeah. And I, going to exotic locations and having sex with exotic women with really, really weird names. <laughs> yeah, and that's It doesn't really say Call of Duty type shooter to me. <laughs> like plenty. <laughs> it's mostly him sitting in jacuzzis and saunas and various beds. You know drinking what? moderately. You know what I just realized the Bond franchise needs to go into as far as video games go there is uh, every Bond movie has great cars. That's what we need is the James Bond racer game. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you could you could yeah. totally do it. So many great classic cars in the Bond films. Kind of spy hunter. Yeah, we, we, we're hurting for a new good Bond game. Well, like I said, last year's was all right. Reloaded. You guys should check it out. Yeah. I'd like to see one that like kind of goes in the same like darker direction that the movies have been going lately. Kind of make Bond more, you know, less of a caricature and more of a human being. You know, darker and grittier. That's what the secret yeah, is. Yeah, because that's really missing from punch, games. <laughs> yeah, that's what we don't have enough dark and gritty yeah. video games. Dark and gritty <laughs> video games right now. <laughs> Never mind. And next up, Nick can keep talking with his review of Madden NFL 13. Yeah, I'll just keep rolling on. Uh, okay, so uh, I had taken a small break from the Madden franchise, and the last one that I had been playing was uh, 2006, maybe. That's, not a, that's, up, that's a half a century break. Oh, well, Video I mean... Game years. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got it for $3, like in a bargain bin, too. Nice. But, um, uh, so I thought this was a good time to jump back into the series now that they've, you know, I think made some fairly significant changes to the actual underlying structure of the game. So there has a new physics engine called Infinity. Um, so kind of gone are the old canned tackle animations and, you know, weird, uh, you know, telepathic plays where your receiver senses that a ball's coming and just kind of catches it without looking at it and mm. things like that. Um, so now, you know, things are supposed to be based on inertia and momentum and, and such. And uh, it does a pretty good job of doing that. And, uh, I think one of the central points that I was trying to make, you know, it was a little bit strange because this is kind of a belated review, and I didn't want to just go through and list, you know, the features of the game, you know, the myriad changes that they make from every single, you know, the previous year's iteration of it. Um, so I was kind of waxing poetic about the effect that this has on, you know, being able to, uh, having the gameplay be kind of unpredictable. 
And it really, I think it's it's night and day when you have this physics engine that dictates what happens in plays. It's so much more exciting because when your player gets hit, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. He could react to any number of you know, infinite possible ways, and uh, it makes the game really exciting. Um, other than that, there's, you know, not too much that's changed with it. A few new features here, and then a few new feature, a few features get removed like it is with every Madden game. They don't always keep all the great features from year to year. They Stuff is curiously missing. But uh, they make some improvements. They take, you know, two steps forward, two steps back in basically every other, every other area. So um, worth playing for the physics. Uh, the rest of it, kind of by the books. Well, well. <laughs> yeah. One of the, um, the funny things about it that uh, has been getting a lot of attention is in between plays, the, the physics, they still have it apply. Uh, and what that means is that when people are trying to get up from the big piles, you know, from the scrums of a, the, a gang tackle or something like that, they all end up tripping on each other's ankles. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so after, after a play's ended and, you know, they're showing stats for the players, stuff like that, everyone gets up and then just, just these, like, prat falls in every single direction, like, arms flailing like they just got shot, like, sniped <laughs> on the balcony. And, and it's it's really comical. But uh, that's there's, the one area where the physics detracts a bit. There's one guy in the middle of it all biting everyone or something. <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, FIFA does that as well with their physics. What uh, my understanding with this was that uh, it was something I think they were kind of aiming for in next year's iteration of the game, but uh, they kind of got it to a point where they thought it was presentable for this year's, so they they threw it in there. So naturally, you're going to have a bunch of weird quirks and side effects of it since it's still kind of growing. Uh, I expect next year's Madden to be uh, markedly better in those regards. I think they'll really start to polish off the, the engine and, and get it really looking good, but uh, definitely changes the game uh, tremendously for this year's, and that, that's much, much needed because the franchise is really treading water before that. Cool. Next up, uh, we have Dance Central 3, which is uh, another review that I did, and it's hopefully the last dancing game of the year. Because <laughs> You know, it's getting a little silly. <laughs> so, uh, it was a little silly. It was uh, it was pretty good. If if you're gonna buy uh, a dancing game for Xbox, it probably should be Dance Central 3, because it's exclusive and because they are able to leverage Microsoft's tech people probably. So it's the most accurate as far as tracking is concerned. Uh, the soundtrack is really diverse because you do one of those travel through time, so you play all kinds of songs from different eras. And um, oh yeah, this is campaign mode travel. Yeah, through. yeah, they had campaign mode. This You're a time traveler, but you don't go back and kill Hitler. No, no, no. Oh go, my god. You know, but you you have to go and and you know test out the uh, the discos uh, in the seventies, and then you know move up to the dance clubs in the eighties. Yeah, that's some, the important thing. Uh, yeah. So it's it's pretty good. Uh, still no uh, online multiplayer and still capped at just two people at a time. But you know they try to get around that by introducing kind of uh, hop in hop out like crew battle mode, so you can have a bunch of people around, but only two are dancing at a time. So it's pretty good. And that's all we say about that. Next up, we have Need for Speed Most Wanted by Tim. Yeah, so this doesn't really have anything to do with the original Need for Speed Most Wanted. The new one is developed by Criterion, who did Burnout Paradise and Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, which are both awesome. And what they've done here is they've basically just taken ideas from both games and combined them 
And uh, so they have an open world like Burnout Paradise, and there's also cops like in Hot Pursuit. And in theory, that sounds like a very good thing. But sadly, they made some really strange design choices that make it pretty disappointing overall. So the biggest problem I had with it was especially in the single player, all of the cars, even well, pretty much not all of the cars, but pretty much like the vast majority of the cars are just lying around and you just have to drive around and pick them out and uh, you don't have to unlock them. So there's no sense of progression. And once you've driven the really fast cars and done all the races for them, and you have to go back to the slow cars to uh, get enough points to kind of progress with the uh, single-player mode. It's really kind of anticlimactic to go from like a, uh, a Lamborghini uh, Countach to a Ford Focus. Which uh, So that was a bit of a problem. The multiplayer, however, is, uh, is a good deal better, especially if you're playing with friends. Because it, it, like in Burnout Paradise, it just gives you a bunch of... Uh, random challenges like everyone on the server has to drive onto the top of a parking garage and between everyone you have to jump 2,000 meters or something. No, that's kind of, I like that idea, sort of team-based cooperative yeah. achievements almost. So that can be really fun, but the only thing that I found a bit frustrating with the uh, multiplayer is no matter what you're doing, if you're in a race or a challenge or you're just driving around, the game gives you points for taking down other players, basically just smashing into them. And whenever you crash in this game, or whenever someone takes you down, a long camera, like a slow-motion camera, plays out that shows your car spinning through the air. Boom. And it can get really frustrating, especially in public games, because there are certain players who will just ignore the challenges, ignore what they're supposed to do, and instead just drive around smashing into everyone else initiating the slow-motion crash camera. It can be frustrating, especially because with the uh, game, if you want to change cars or customize your car, you have to use an in-game menu. And if you're in the in-game menu, you're probably sitting still because you're like trying to change your paint or your uh, car mods. And uh, while you're sitting still, you're probably going to get smashed into, and that interrupts the menu. Yeah. So it can get pretty frustrating after a time. But if you play with friends who aren't a-holes... It's a lot of fun. <laughs> ah, the great secret of video game enjoyment. <laughs> Multiplayer. Yes. The hunt and for the group of people who aren't jerks. Yes, that's that's critical in this game. And the other thing right now that's keeping me from re- recommending the PC version, at least, is that it has some really nasty performance issues. Mm. And I know Alex experienced these as well. But basically, whenever the frame rate goes below 60, the game stutters and chugs like hell, and it's pretty much unplayable. And uh, I was able to turn the settings down, and my PC was powerful enough to keep the frame rate above 60, and that was okay. And the other option is you can cap the frame rate at 30, which is also not really ideal. But if you have a less powerful PC, you probably won't be able to enjoy this game at all. Mm. So that's uh, until they patch that, I would stay clear of the PC version. But uh, a fun game in multiplayer, but it doesn't quite live up to their uh, to Criterion's last two games. I agree with that. And uh, finally, the release of Halo 4. Dun, dun, dun. Which we had reviewed. And I reviewed it. And it was an 85. And I am Master Chief. (laughs) I dropped by the Microsoft store today, and I kind of expected there to be, I don't know. Walls painted. Yeah, or, or something, but it just kind of has its own... It has, you know, one shelf, I guess. Well, you know, four shelves stacked on top of each other. 
I'll go crazy for it. Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty good game. I've uh, I've never been a fan of the series. Uh, I've played a couple uh, iterations, I guess, before. But jumping into this one, it was it's it's really kind of the new alien race that kind of saves it because you're still fighting the same type of enemies as you did in the first trilogy, the Covenant Covenant. Yes. Covenant. 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 Yeah. Okay. Covenant. So, I mean, they're still the same enemies that don't do much. You have the little guys, you have the guys with shields, and you have the big guys, and that's it. But, thankfully, this new alien race um, has a whole bunch of new uh, enemy types that actually spices up the gameplay, because you have the kind of dog-like creatures that can scale walls, so you have some vertical gameplay there. You have the uh, things that fly around. I'm, I'm not being very specific here, I know, but <laughs> you have the things that fly around and they are, well, first of all, they fly around, so that's a new thing mm-hmm. for the series, and they actually introduce uh, various kind of bonuses for the opponents, because they can deploy kind of shields anywhere in the battlefield. So you're shooting somebody, and suddenly the shield kind of pops out in front of them, so it's like, damn it, gotta take down the flying thing first. And they can actually toss your grenades back at you, um, and then the big guys, the big enemies, they can teleport. Um, so that is obviously something that changes things up a bit and introduces a lot of the dynamic elements that uh, the series never really had. Well, it's good to hear they're keeping the gameplay on edge. Uh, exactly. How's the, how's the story? The story is a much uh, is a bit of a retread of the original. It's save humanity once again. Again. And they they spend. Uh, four years between the end of Halo 3 and this game. So they pretty much set out with a blank slate as far as the story goes. And they introduce this new alien faction and they're trying to destroy Earth for the greater good of the universe type of thing. If I remember it, rumor has it they're actually going to try to make a whole new trilogy out of this, right? Oh, that's not a rumor. They said they will. Oh, thanks. And there's a little message at the end from 343 Industries that says... Thank you, fans, for trusting us. But you know, I don't know if anybody really expected anything different other than a reimagining, but pretty much playing it safe with everything. So it's not exactly a revolution for uh, the franchise or for third first-person shooters. Halo Four, but it's pretty. It's yeah. pretty good with what they've done. I'm not surprised. I mean, with their, there's so much at stake with that series. Exactly, you know, yeah. it's their their linchpin. They can't go completely crazy with it. Um, in my little time with previews, I, I was impressed with the the new race. I thought that that helped a lot. Um, I, it's kind of weird to still be fighting Covenant, I think. But uh, and you know, I always thought the weird thing is with the Covenant. Uh, I'm not too up and up on Halo lore, but it, it's a it's a covenant of a bunch of different alien races. So I always thought it was weird that they always kind of just stuck to the same three. I thought it was a kind of a missed opportunity to really have a huge amount of variety there that you could really keep the games fresh. We could, yeah, we could have had the great democracy or great republic of races all against humans, but instead kind of got... Well, and maybe it's one of those covenant-in-name-only type organizations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we, we've got a coalition, you know. We happen to be 98% the same you know, the same species, but yeah, it's, it's a coalition. <laughs> I kind of like the idea that, like, the U.S. is, like, the, or the, the... That Earth is, like, the Iran of the alien United Nations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to listen to any of your sanctions, and we're going to make our own atomic bomb. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, they I mentioned that in review. I think they uh, they have a really flimsy excuse of why you're fighting the Kavanian again, because because eventually, I mean, they, they're supposed to be fighting each other technically, right? I mean, this new race, the originally named Promethean race. Uh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> And the Kavina, they're kind of, I mean, you, it makes sense if they're fighting each other, right? So it's a kind of a three-front war, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like Master Chief versus the world again. Um, you know, they introduce something like, oh, the new race is kind of controlling the Covenant, but it's just, nah, not much there. But My question for you is, this. Uh, at what point do they, in the, the new Halo trilogy, do they explain how the uh, the Covenant created the alien from aliens? <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't happen. No? No. That's sad. There's Prometheans in this. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Yeah. So Michael Fassbender, like, putting weird alien black goop in people's drinks and then causing them to have eye worms. It was a great film. I really liked it. Oh, okay. No, no. Any film that references Lawrence of Arabia gets points in my book. All right. That's all the articles that we've had. KK. Hey. Moving on, some uh, news around the industry. Uh, Suhei Yoshida, I apologize if I mispronounced that. Shuhei. Shuhei. Uh, says that The Last Guardian is not a safe bet guarantee for 2013. <sighs> Does that make you disappointed? Yeah. Don't even get me going on this. I feel so angry. Not angry, I want to say. Upset. I really am Yeah, upset because Crushed. in the first place, it's a little unusual for them to to say that a year out, you know, to say, by the way, you probably aren't going to get it next year at all. You know, that, that's, that seems a quite a push, but more than that, the problems that the last guardian has been going through simply do not bode well for it. There was a rumor. Okay. Not rumor, I guess, but they claimed that they had essentially a working version like a year ago, but then hit technical difficulties. And then, that. Yeah, which kind of makes you scratch your head. What, you know, like an engine switch, maybe? And then to have those technical difficulties delay it not for a year, but for at least a year from now, you know, this makes it feel like... This makes you a little worried, you know? If something happens this next year to delay it, maybe this will turn into Duke Nukem Forever slash... You know, know, not, not that it would go... Not, not that it would go into development hell, but just that we'll either get something that, you know, with outdated graphics or, you know, it'll have to be pieced together on a new engine that doesn't really work for it or what have you. So he, he in his wording of it, he said that they're they're working on the engine now, which is, uh, that's, a, I think, a really bad sign since this game has been in development for going on, what now, five years? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I thought, yeah, so it was very careful warning because he said he can't promise it in 2013. And he said the reason that he couldn't promise it was because they had made promises in the past and he didn't want to disappoint people again. But, uh, the fact that they're still working on the engine, I think you can guarantee to not see this in 2013. And I, I thought kind of, one of the one of the sad things about this industry is that the so when they made this announcement, uh, like watching you know reading the, the like the NeoGaf thread or on N4G and stuff like that, the reaction to it was largely positive, which is bizarre to me. This um, uh, that that 
game fans are are so excited for this and and so locked in and so used to getting kind of trampled on by developers that they think, oh, God, they can't promise it for 2013. That means it's going to be on the PS4. Oh, and it's going to be no. amazing. Yep, they're like, oh, it's going to be great graphics. I'm glad they're taking the time to make sure that this game is great. You know, take as much time as you need. I'm like, no, this game, it's not coming out. <laughs> it's it's it. I I have to lay it down like straight there for everybody. It's not going to come out. It's in development hell. They have absolutely no idea what they're doing with it. They're floundering. Um, and the fact the fact that they're having engine troubles just right now. I and kind of think of it. I think I've I think there are famous cases of this happening three or four times in game history, and it always ends bad. Of the game is 90% done, and then someone, somewhere along the line, says, wait, why don't we do it in this engine instead? And that's not a trivial decision to make. Yeah, you know, it was, it was probably something minor, too. Like, they didn't like the boy's hair or something like that, so now they're building the game from the ground up to get it right. <laughs> well, what's wrong with it being a PS4 launch title? I, it's, it's just not going to be. There's no way that they've sunk the amount of time that they've sunk into it to now uh, suddenly restructure the entire thing and start from square one and build it and get it ready for the PS4 launch. It's it's just not going to happen. What if uh, that's what they meant by changing engines? Uh, no, no, no. They, they didn't say that they're 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 changing engines necessarily. They're they're okay. just working. Ha- having engine. having problem with an engine? Maybe they're working on the PS4 engine. Yeah, it's happened before with a uh, was it Time Shift I think or something like that. It, it started in development for the PS2 and Xbox, and it came out uh, eventually on the PS3 and the 360, I believe. Yeah, and this this studio has a history of doing this with the, their games. Um, I think uh, was it Ico that was originally intended for the was it PS1 and came out for the PS2. I think so. Yeah. yeah so I mean, I'd sure love for that to be the case. I the Shadow of the Colossus is my favorite game, but. Uh, I, I'm I'm done with it. I'm not trying to psych myself into this stuff anymore. Uh, I will not be the least bit surprised to hear that this game is canceled in about a year. Oh boy, it's hopefully not. Let's wait six months to see what they say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bethesda is uh, saying that they're close on the new Skyrim DLC for PlayStation 3 um, and PC, but PC has already seen the release of all DLC pretty much. So it's just the PS3 that's still waiting for their content, and they're citing all kinds of, uh, again, technical issues that are preventing him from releasing it on PS3. I, I wonder if this is going to affect the, uh, is it called um, Dragon Rider? Is that the name of the new D- DLC? I uh, The Dragonborn. Uh, it's, it's got Dragonborn? <laughs> okay. Uh, but, uh, I, <laughs> it would be It would be direct and literal. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that this necessarily means that the PS3 is going to be getting that. Um, I think that may still be delayed for them um, because of the way that they didn't change the announcement for that regarding the when it's going to come out on the Xbox, uh, just it's going to be that alone. So uh, I think that one's still going to be knocked down the line a, a little bit. But uh, hopefully, at least we can get uh, Hearthfire and uh, Dawnguard. It's been forever. Wait, the PS3 hasn't gotten Hearthfire yet. It hasn't gotten anything. It hasn't gotten Dawnguard. Oh, ouch. Yeah, that's really harsh. Yeah, and it's very strange because, I mean, you know, they were able to develop Skyrim, and it, it largely works now. You know, the, I think on most systems, the memory issues and stuff that they've had that have been have been dealt with. So I wonder what it is about this DLC that is causing it to be something they can't even put out 
on the PS3. Maybe it's that they can't deal with any, you know, bad PR for, you know, major glitches or something like that. But this has already been kind of terrible for them image-wise. So I, I, just, I don't understand exactly what the problem is, but hopefully it's resolved quick. Next up, we have uh, Lost Atari Game selling for $33,000. Yeah, that's just kind of surprising to me. I mean, I know how big collectors are on their uh, old classic video games, but this was like a no-name, you know, a no-name game, one hit, you know, the the only game that this uh, studio made, but I guess... That's such what a makes it rare. Yeah, that's what, that's what makes it rare, and the, just the fact that it was still in perfect packaging, still in working order, they pulled it out and played it right, right as it came up. It's a testament to the way they used to make video games. Tough stuff. <laughs> but is it any good? Is it worth $30,000? <laughs> it's not worth $30,000 of my money. <laughs> it's well, uh, to, uh, one of my favorite quotes, it's well worth someone else's time and money. So, there you go. The I'm looking at the, the case now, so the game is Air Raid. Air Raid. It's essentially Space Invaders, except not as good. It, uh, was that Menavision on the side? Menavision? That's the company. Yeah, that's the developer is Menavision, and their logo is that word uh, spread across a rainbow. <laughs> Somehow I'm not surprised they didn't last very long. Yeah, I don't know how. Well, yeah, I don't know how they how they managed to do that. If anything, let this be a lesson to you, uh, either to if you have any old games, keep them and store them safely away, especially those odd indie titles that you know no one else bought. Yeah, but, but those don't come out on hard copies anymore. Well, not anymore. Yeah, Back in the seven. day. Back in the day. That's right. If you got any, you know, keep your Nintendo cartridge collection. Who knows? Uh, next up, uh, Sony's stock has been lowered to uh, one point above chunk status by an investment services firm. And uh, I guess that I'm not a business person, but that's bad, I suppose. <laughs> but but having seen the uh, couple of documentaries like Inside Job, I wouldn't say that these investment firms are worth anything. But uh, nonetheless, it looks bad on the market, I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure why they would be doing it. I mean, I know Sony's had you know problems here and there, but I, I don't think they're in serious danger. Their their games division hasn't been a real problem for them. It's been in all of their other areas uh, with electronics. They're they're they've been kind of banking on their name brand in a lot of other areas, and it's it's no longer holding up. And things like TVs, they're getting beaten out. Um, I think they're. The most profitable, or at least the company that's most in the black uh, part of the, the part of their company, is their insurance portion, and that is absolutely bizarre. Insurance yeah. from Sony? Sony, yeah, and that, that I think says a lot about the the position of the rest of the company. Uh, you know, games have been doing well, and that's you know why these things, you know, these it, these stories make news, and everyone's like, oh, it's because their games are bad, and blah blah blah, and it becomes a big fanboy war. But actually, Sony's entertainment systems have done. Done, you know, they've held their own at least pretty well. No, oh, they, were, they really have. When so, people when people complain about them not selling enough, they mean like only you know so many million have sold. Yeah, and you know, and if you account for the uh, their late release for the the PS3, it's actually done just fine as, as far as sales compared to like the Xbox has. Um, I think it. Uh, if you account for that, I think they've technically sold more worldwide. Um, so, you know, that's not the problem. It's, it's in all the other divisions where they've kind of, 
they've lost their name brand value. They've spread themselves a little bit too thin. They don't have a very viable business strategy. Their marketing, and this applies to their games division too, their marketing is just absolutely atrocious. And they uh, even fired so, Kevin Butler and now suing him. <laughs> they even sued Kevin Butler. Yeah, we yeah. talked about it last yeah, episode. Those That's monsters. So, you know, them being lowered in status by one investment investor firm doesn't necessarily mean anything bad on its own. But, you know, the kind of, uh, if you have kind of scared investors, you know, being lowered from one firm could cause, you know, a little bit of a, a snowballing effect. They could get lowered from another firm. That could scare people more. It drops their price for stocks. So it's something to keep an eye on. Seven Navy SEALs from the U.S. Army have been disciplined for uh, working on Medal of Honor Warfighter. The uh, fact that EA brought in real people to work on the game and tell their stories and be advisors was actually one of the big selling points for the game. But apparently now the Army says that too much information has been revealed. It's unclear if any of the actual secret stuff was used in the game, but apparently things were said that shouldn't have been said. So uh, those accused were docked pay and got reprimands and punishments from the army. I feel a, I feel a little guilty just because I realize, you know, people's careers are at stake here and, you know, national security and all that jazz, but for some reason I just want to laugh at this story. Like I feel like someone should have seen this coming from a long way off. Uh, considering they did that for the first game as well. I mean, I'm sure the army knows what they're getting into and uh, you know, it had to get approved from various channels in the army, I'm sure. Well, and of course, well, very wisely, of course, I think you'll notice uh, the official statement from uh, that they have on Medal of Honor says they're not going to be making any changes. They're not going to take out any content or anything. They're they're just dealing with it for well, disciplining just, certain seals. That's just good PR at that point. Well, good PR, but also I think you know if there was if there if there were any information that they were nervous about, they will only draw attention to it by trying to take it out. Having played or the maybe game, they, maybe they took it out and said that they didn't take anything out. Oh, ooh, the conspiracy grows bigger. <laughs> Having played the game, I can't see any advanced U.S. Army tactics being used in there, unless they go out in the Middle East and hack doors down with a hatchet, and then you taught them how to crouch. <laughs> slow motion, shoot everybody in the room. I'm sure uh, there's no tactics that have been revealed. They released our slow motion breach technique. Yeah. Oh, God. With, with any luck, this will distract some terrorist cells, and they'll spend a lot of time playing through all these games right now. Good <laughs> for the sales. Oh, yeah. All those they, terrorists. There's no such thing as bad publicity, you know, so there you go. It cuts to some terrorist in a cave in Afghanistan, and he's got, like, a giant thing of Mountain Dew and Doritos <laughs> outside of him, and he's just buried in the couch. We'll learn the secrets of our enemy. They have That'll be better, the next uh, They have better beards than we do. Yeah. <laughs> if they make that the next, like, what is it, Walmart that has the commercials of the two guys, like, on the couch, talk, make, you know, making fun of each other as they play games, it's just two terrorists in two different caves, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I, um, what was I going to say about this? Uh, there was actually another kind of funny side story that came out of this, so everyone's been knocking, um... Uh, I think Medal of Honor, I can't remember what we gave it, but it hasn't been getting great scores across the board. And um, uh, on uh, Breitbart, you know, that conservative website, um, somebody put out a story today saying that all of the reviewers that made that, you know, gave the game a bad score just did so because they hate the Army and they hate the Marines and they hate America. 
Nice. And he went through and he cited names, and he's like, he's like, of course, Eurogamer hates it because they're those European, you know, commie bastards or whatever. Oh, and, I, hope, uh, I hope, I hope this becomes a big political issue. I hope oh, now yeah. we hear things about, yeah, well, you don't, you know, President so and so doesn't doesn't like doesn't like Medal of Honor. What does that tell you about what kind of president he's going to be? Huh? Uh, it, it introduced a great new term, uh, the liberal games media. Ah, is it going to be great? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Wait until Fox it. News gets a hold of it. It's gonna be amazing. Oh, Fox News! Oh, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start posting things on Fox, Fox News website, telling them what games to go after. You know, <laughs> so you guys. Oh, once they get their hands on Bioshock, they're gonna go nuts. Oh, this is gonna be great. Oh, that's the guy. He was he picked out uh, Spec Ops: The Line, and he was like, "Oh, everyone loved this game because it portrayed soldiers as being conflicted and not, you know." Wait, 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 we all know that's not how real soldiers are. <laughs> no, no, no. Team America killing machines. Yep. Oh god, Breitbart. Yeah, check it out. It's a great story. Good read. I'll do it. Let's move on to the Halo 4 disclaimer that I don't understand. Yeah, I didn't get this either. What's the what's the story here? Entering the Rumors Other Coolness Rants extra section. The Halo 4 disclaimer. Well, we Just look talk, at the image. Yeah, well, you have to. Uh, we talked last week about um, the whole story of corruption and Doritos and all that, and which is actually kind of disappointing because it's starting to blow over really quick. Like, nobody's talking about it anymore. It's only been a couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, the disclaimer was <laughs> that uh, with the review copy of Halo 4, uh, we also received Doritos and Mountain Dew. Uh. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's kind of clever. I've I have vouched not to let it affect my opinion of the game and uh, the jokes on Microsoft because I ate it all while playing Assassin's Creed 3. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Good. Copies from them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, but Sir. yeah, it's still, you know, just something yeah. to talk about. About, oh. about that story blowing over so fast. Um, I was, I was thinking about it a little bit and, you know, if you, if you read like the relevant NeoGAF thread about it, you, you kind of see like, it reminds me a little bit of the, like the Occupy Wall Street movement and oh, no. that like you have all this energy, everyone wants to change something. They're like, oh, how are we going to, how are we going to fix games journalism and stuff like that? And then after, you know, what, ugh, 200 pages of, of going back and forth in the forum, like the kind of boring conclusion is like, well, I guess we should all just be accountable. <laughs> is, Dang is it. Is that all we can take from this, really? So it kind of, it's starting to fizzle out because there's no real fun thing to go, you know, to, to do with it now. But I'm hoping there, there was something short of us actually doing, you know, putting effort into something. <laughs> hoping there was a solution. Go ahead. I think still um, it's blown over so quick, but we're still getting examples just uh, weeks later of it's still happening. Um, so with Halo 4 reviews, a bunch of good scores came out. Now, the reason I bring that up is because a certain website, uh, a popular one, with a certain reviewer that uh, is famous for being very critical of games, which is fine. And, you know, I was I was checking out uh, Halo 4 reviews on the day it came out after hours went live as well. And I was looking kind of curious of who gave the high, who gave the low scores. So one site in particular, as I mentioned, is known for giving out kind of fair slash lower scores. And I saw them give it, like, near perfect or perfect scores. I was like, well, so it can't be that guy that reviewed it, so it's got to be somebody else that works for the site. And sure enough, uh, that Halo 4 review with an almost perfect score was published by a marketing manager mm-hmm. for that website. 
And I was like, well, this doesn't seem right. This, uh. Is he, he's kind of a man of many hats kind of thing? Or he also just. No, well, that was, that was his st- status, was he is a marketing manager, but he's doing a Halo 4 review. So I was like, well. Why? This doesn't look very good. How many Doritos did they get? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's so weird because, uh, look, I've actually, just in the course of this conversation, flipped back and forth a little on on whether I approve of this, I want to say. Because on the one hand, come on, one thing of Mountain Dew and a Doritos, that's not really much of a bribe. But on the other hand, I realize it's almost a symbol. It's almost like a wink and a nod from the developers saying, hey, we know what kind of people you are. And yeah, <laughs> and these kind of people shouldn't be in this in this tree, but you know they are, just like we talked about Lauren last week, or last podcast. Yeah. They, they very much exist, that are all buddy-buddy, Wink, wink, with the developers, uh, and they're naming themselves as journalists, and they write these articles. And at the same time, they have a huge conflict of interest. And and you know what? There's uh, the other side of the coin as well that proves them to be true uh, with the reviews of Medal of Honor Warfighter. Now, I've played the game, and uh, Ben, who is going to be reviewing it, he's played the game, and he's as critical guy as you're going to see. He's kind of given me a hint. The review hasn't gone live yet, but I think by the time the podcast goes live, our review of uh, Medal of Honor Warfighter will go live as well, and you'll see that it's it's an okay score. So, the theory that I have um, is with Warfighter, I think people will know that EA hasn't sent out review copies of this game at all, even to the big sites. And I think that's partially why it's getting such terrible scores. Because mm-hmm. the game itself, I've played it, Ben has played it, uh, we're very different gamers, but we both agree this is not a 30 out of 100 <clears throat> game. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, where do think, does it end? Like, Do you think it's like a, a kind of condition? Because when, when companies don't get review copy of games, usually the assumption is that they don't want, you know, bad news to get out there early. Exactly. So you think it's kind of like a, your pre-held conceptions from hearing that it's a that the review copy is being withheld makes you think, well, this has got to be a bad game, and then that colors the way that you approach it and the way that you do the review? That's one of the factors, for sure. The other factor being, well, now everybody's kind of starting off on the same foot. Everybody's on a race to get their review done early or, you know, as quickly as possible because nobody has the upper hand, you know. So people are like, well, let's rush through this game and get a review out within a couple of days because we need the hits and we need to be up there with everybody else. So there's a number of factors, but, you know, I mean, getting a 35 out of 100, that's just atrocious. It's not a broken game. It's not a terrible yeah. game. I've I've played worse games this year than Medal of Honor Warfighter, even, <laughs> you know. So that kind of thing just goes to show that the problem is still very much there. There's still a, very much a, re- a review culture. Yeah, it's just played with. very upsetting. It is worth saying, I know there have been other games in the last year where the developers didn't send out review copies. Like, I know The Witcher 2, for instance, they didn't send out review copies to anyone, but it, it did extremely well across the board, and I'm pretty sure Blizzard has the same policy with, like, StarCraft, Diablo, but I guess yes. that's a bit of a different, uh, a yes. different situation. Yes. Um... Witcher 2, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they did send out review copies. Um, because you saw reviews on release day, I'm pretty sure. I but didn't. Nah, I can't remember. I feel like they didn't, but I could be wrong. Uh, for Europe, I, sh- I think they did for sure. Okay. Um, 
for for Blizzard, yeah, Blizzard is an example, but with Blizzard, you have the Blizzard favoritism kicking in. So, oh, we got Diablo 3 on release day, but that's okay, we'll take our time and review it for the great RPG that it is, because it's from Blizzard. Whereas, <laughs> whereas EA, you know, hasn't been in everybody's favorite books lately. And That's the cool true. the cool thing right now is to hate on EA. So it's like, oh well, it's EA, and they didn't send us a review copy, and so it must be a bad game. So here's a thirty out of a hundred, and let's be done with it. And I just think that's so wrong in so many levels. Yeah, maybe it's that reviewers. I want to say we. I almost want to say need to take a little more pride in the craft. Yeah, yeah. We don't treat. I think reviewers. It's too easy to fall into. It should be less the habit person. of. Yeah, uh, exactly. I hate to I hate to say that because you want reviewers to you know identify with their audience and you know really say whether you liked it or not. But uh, you know reviewers need to be critiquers. They need to be objective and separated from. It shouldn't be just oh I get paid to play video games. You know that's not what a good reviewer is. A good reviewer is paid to you know give an give an analysis uh, and be introspective, I want to say. Or what, what's the opposite of introspective? When you're inspecting something else. Right. You know Extrospective? I was wondering, yeah. Extra, <laughs> extrospective? Didactic. Clear. And take, I, like, I mean, and take pride I, can, in I kind of feel it depends. I, I feel like it depends on the, where you want to go with it. If you want to do a, a critique or if you want to do a, you know, is this a game that you should buy kind of review. Um, you know, I, I've had review. I did a review for... Um, uh, Papa and Yo, where uh, you know it's an, it's an intensely personal kind of game, and I, I think that sometimes with you know something like that, a, an intensely personal review can kind of be interesting because you know it deals with that game deals with issues of abuse and alcoholism, and so you know the people that go to you know to play that game are going to be interested in that kind of personal aspect to it. So it's interesting to hear how it affects people personally. Um, you know, because that's where the value in the game is. You know, it's that's not a right. kind of game where you can go through bullet point by bullet point and be like, well, so there's some screen tearing and there's some the platform is kind of dull, and so I would say yes, buy this game. You know, it, it, it's more interesting to to learn what the personal side is. Yeah, that is. A good uh, you point. know, I mean, like I, I I see the merit in trying to be as objective as possible, but at some point you also have to recognize that it's impossible to be objective in a game review. Uh, not True. that I'm saying it. Something that you you know you shouldn't aspire to necessarily, but uh, you know you, you have to recognize that there's inherent subjectivity in the way that you perceive the game and the way that you talk about it and what you whether you notice things that are good or whether you don't. That's that's completely true, but at the same time you have to mention and understand in your review of the other viewpoints that may exist. So it's yeah. it's it's ultimately your opinion, but you can't just say this is the fact of life of you know this game sucks because of this. You can say that it's not as good as it could have been because of this, but you know you can see that other people can have a different perspective of it, and you should try to uh, have a little bit of that in there as well. Definitely. One last thing on the uh, the Halo Four situation and uh, the Dorito Gate and all. I, I am thankful that it all happened, if for one thing and one thing only, uh, that we got the Dorito Pope. <laughs> what? Have you seen the image? No. No. Yeah, Google it's it. Not, <laughs> Google it. It is. It's glorious. Nice. All hail Dorito Pope. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, we had a contest of uh, of last week, this week, last week, this week, this week. Uh, for XCOM Enemy Unknown, thank you to uh, 2K Games for providing us with the copy to give away. 
And congratulations to Mike, who has won that, and uh, it's been sent to him via email. He confirmed as receiving it, so hopefully he's having fun. Stay tuned for more contests. Yay, Mike. Well done, well done. Father changes pronouns in Zelda, so the daughter can play as a girl, Link. Who found this? I I don't know where you guys get your news from, but this is great. <laughs> that was uh, that was me. Um, it, it was a story. I, I saw a tweet from a few people. It was kind of making the rounds. People were saying, like, oh, best dad ever. I just thought it was kind of a neat little story. So uh, he went through. His daughter was playing the game, and he wanted her to be able to, you know, I think role play a little better. And I think he wanted to have a situation where he could uh, provide, you know, a, a cool you know, powerful female role model. So he went through and he changed all of the pro. He wrote a code to change all the pronouns in the game uh, to to females, to she's and hers, so that uh, Link is a girl in in her game. But he still looks like a dude. No, no, that's the best part. He never no, did. He doesn't look like a dude. He never did. <laughs> it was a Wind Waker, I think. As soon as I, I read it, I realized gender. If there's one famous male pro- video game protagonist who could easily be switched over to female, there we go. Link. I'm just waiting. Yeah. As if people aren't confused enough that Zelda is a lady. Oh, oh no. Yeah, that's going to be... It's just, did it turn it into a, a, a story of a lesbian romance now? Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of why I'm wondering how no, this maybe, is not really... No, maybe they're sisters or something. Right. Uh, okay. I was gonna say it's very progressive, but um, yeah, I thought this was pretty cool. I, I was I was just waiting for like the the men's rights activists to like jump up and say like, oh, they're trying to change all of our gaming icons into girls. They're trying to feminize them all. No. You know, I'm, Anybody not, else? I'm not I'm not gonna worry about it until we get a male Tomb Raider, and then it'll all be over. Nathan Drake. <laughs> ah. Yeah, it's already been done. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> all right. And uh, finally, former developers, People Can Fly, who worked on the Painkiller and Bulletstorm, the game, not the genre, uh, suggest <laughs> that we should kill gameplay, which is kind of a silly argument, in my opinion, because they're saying, well, most memorable parts of games is not the regular stuff where you go down corridors and shoot things, but the kind of set pieces are what you remember from games, and those are actually usually non-interactive or they're, you know, QTEs or something, and so that's the best parts of games that we should have, and I think that's crazy. This, to me, is like saying, universally acknowledge the best parts in movies that people recognize are when, you know, violins are playing and someone is about to die and someone is crying. And, you know, (laughs) when you ask people what they remember, that's it. Therefore, our movies should consist of nothing but... Violins, bloated bodies, and moaning, sobbing people. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you want your whole game to be a QTE cutscene or something? I don't like know. Resident Evil 6. Oh! Basically just a QTE <laughs> fest. I never played it, but I heard that it was terrible because that's all it was, was action sequences and set pieces and quick time events. It's heavy. Well, so, so his example that he uses is The Walking Dead. Uh, so he says that's a game that doesn't really contain any of that kind of like core gameplay that we think of, you know, like platforming or shooting or things like that. He says it's mostly that kind of emotional, uh, you know, I, less less gameplay oriented kind of. I agree uh, with that, but for the, at the same time, that's why I don't really think it's a very good game. 
Like, it's a great story to follow along and all that. It's a great adventure and very atmospheric and, and all that. But it's not a very great... It's not a very good game in the sense of gameplay. <clears throat> so, I, think, I mean... I still want my games to the true definition of the word. The caveat that I want to add to this article is that... It's true, actually, that when you're presenting a game and a storyline and or building up drama... The climaxes tend to be, you know, cutscenes or quick time events or something along those lines, or the really beautiful moments, you know, or, or you know, scripted, yeah, scripted moments t- are tend to be more beautiful. It's very hard to make, it's very hard to make repetitive actions or grinding or combat beautiful. Having said that, the games that do that, the games that culminate in climactic gameplay, um, are just astounding. Uh, in the really ring home. So I guess, yeah, I would put a little star at the end of this and say, we, you can do it, it's just really hard to do. Yeah, I, I think people get hung up on the gameness of games. So, you know, like they'll say like, oh, you know, so, you know, it's like some of the situations that he cites, you know, the entering rapture in the beginning of Bioshock. And he said, you know, says that's the best part of the game. But people are like, well, but it's not like a game. Or when you talk about something like, uh, Dear Esther, or like one of those kind of experiential sort of games. They'll mm-hmm. say like, well, it, it's not a game, so I don't like it. I want my games to be games. And I think that's kind of, it's reductive, and it doesn't really do any the industry any service. You know, you get, you're getting hung up on a term there. I, yeah. You know, I think games can succeed in, in millions of different ways. They can be, it, I, I'm totally open to a game that has almost no gameplay, but it's just it's just cinematics, as long as those cinematics are interesting. You know, we find movies interesting, we like those, and they're not participatory. Uh, so I don't think you can say, like, oh, everything's better if it's a game. It can be something that's just visual, that's enjoyable. You know, like interactive experiences that are like um, like uh, linger in shadows and things like that can I think, just be perfectly interesting in their own right. And as long as you know ahead of time, you don't go in expecting, I'm going to be platforming and shooting and doing all this, like, you know, gritty game, gameplay stuff, and you're open to that being a different kind of experience, you can appreciate it. Hey, no, rain. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No. Or, um, like, I, what I, was the... What was the one that was all... It's a, kind of an anime-style one. It was a short game that came out. Uh, Asura's Wrath, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, it's, it's just a couple of quick-time events. Yeah. That's really all it is. Like, the, people, the people that you know, knew that going into it, I think they really enjoyed it because they went into it expecting, I'm watching an anime where I'm just going to participate a little bit in it. And the people yeah. that went into it thinking, I'm going to be playing an anime and, and doing all this gameplay got really disappointed. It's the, the, that pre-held notion of what you expect colors the way that you appreciate the game. Yeah. It's true. Well said. All right. Evan is so much more cultured than we are. We just yeah. don't understand any of his references. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe I just, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, come on. This is a, look at this classic line. Mad they called me. I'll show them how mad I can be. So you think I'm a spy, eh? I'll show you how much of a spy I can be. Is that Team Fortress Two? No, no. These are. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the Incredible Hulk and Team Fortress Two combined. Although, having said that, I would play that game. <laughs> Okay, uh, we got some uh, listener questions and our question of the episode. We'll start with questions from Shadow Strike. It's like Shadow Strike, but without the D. Since THQ's drop dropped to nearly dollar seventy-five a share, do you think purchasing stock in the company is a good idea? Well, we need to be really careful right here. Well, from the very professional market investment professional person that I am, I say no. <laughs> <laughs> 
your, um, your financial official advice comes with no official confirmation or guarantees. So, yeah, so I am not a business person again. I have to. I feel like I have to make this caveat every single podcast. Um, then stop giving advice. Well, I, uh, so I know a couple things about this. Um, so their stock has already been, uh, God, I don't know the term, but they it's when they break it up into, it's a little financial trick that they do to make uh, the stock worth yeah, more. Yeah, what do they call it? Stock split? Oh, I forget what you call stock, it. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, split. So they've already done that, and now it's already regressed back down to the point where they're about to be delisted. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, I, for me, it, it would be way too much risk. To, to consider purchasing stock right now. Uh, as far as the company goes, I think it's really going to hinge on Saints Row, uh, since since that's kind of their keystone, you know, game right now. Uh, they still have um, South Park and the Stick of Truth, I think, to come out. So and Company of Heroes too. Little game yeah. I'm a little pretty yeah. excited for. Can't, can't forget that one. <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little more niche though, as far as sales go. What? Um, Hey, it is. I, you know, if they're if they're gonna get themselves back into black, it's gonna be on Saints Row. So, you know, that's what I think you'd have to be banking on if this is something where you're you're considering on trying to flip it for a profit. I mean, I don't really know why they're in this position. I guess it's because they really got overinvested in those uh, kids games back in the day, like a couple of years back. It was uh, and the you draw. draw, yeah. Because I mean, no, otherwise. I they're they're just like every other publisher. They don't they make pretty good games. Yeah, they have great IPs. Yeah, like a couple times a year, nothing wrong there. But for some reason, they're just tanking it on the markets. Yeah, Dark Siders didn't do particularly well, uh, so that didn't help them that much. But yeah, they lost like what like a hundred million on Udraw. Yeah. I feel like I, I feel like they're missing a yeah. I, I feel like they're flagship franchise. It, it feels like all their franchises are sort of. Well, yeah, niche really is what I would I guess, guess I would call them. I don't feel like they have a mainstream game that everyone knows, and maybe some other people, you know, choose to play these other games by them. They know Darksiders yeah, and Saints Row. Yeah, no, even then though, like I don't know, I don't hear people who well, are like, as, oh yeah, Darksiders is my favorite what? game. Well, again, compared to games like you know, I don't know, like Grand Theft Auto, or oh, wow. <laughs> well, I know, I know, it's not a, I know it's not a comparison, but that's my point. I think that's what's going to be really interesting to see because so Grand Theft Auto is coming out next spring. It's going to be you know where does that game kind of go because the Grand Theft Auto series has been kind of going towards a more at least with the last entry kind of more mature, a little bit darker kind of mm-hmm. you know. Since there's the opposite So if, yeah, if Saints Row can kind of corner that market of being the wacky, you know, vague, you know, bizarrely sexual kind of nutsoid kind of game, then you know maybe that they could kind of stake out a little place in the industry for that and then kind of build up their own base. Uh, I say good luck to them on that. Yeah, I, I want to see them survive. They have some of my favorite IPs, and I don't want to see them tank. Yeah, we hope they do well. Next up, uh, since Silicon Knights lost their lawsuit against Epic Games, this was actually a story, I think, this week, uh, over the usage of the Unreal 3 engine license, uh, they have actually been ordered now to destroy any remaining copies of their game that they used Unreal Engine on and pay Epic Games $9 million in fees. Ooh. Do you think that this is wasteful, or should the profits, if any, from the sale auction of the remaining copies should go to Epic Games to pay off part of the money being owed? Well, maybe, but who's going to buy those games? Yeah. Didn't they just make Too Human is the point of their lawsuit? A game that didn't exactly sell all that well. 
Yeah, that was what. There might have been one more, but I think that was the big one. Yeah. So I don't yeah, think there's any money to be recovered anyways. Like, I kind of want to say, yes, it obviously is wasteful, but it's the thing that needs to be done. For the greater yeah, good. Yeah, to me... Well, well to know, me... To keep the integrity of the legal were, system. Yeah, if they were able to use the profits from the sale of the game towards paying off their debt to Epic, isn't that kind of like like embezzling money from a company and then using that money that you embezzled to pay off like your fine? Maybe. Sort of. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, not, sort of, it's, not... it's sort of like getting asking forgiveness for licensing rather than permission. <laughs> yeah. So like, oh, yeah, I guess we did use your. I, I guess we, you know, we did use your work. Okay, here's your share of the profits. See, I don't know if I agree with this whole outcome because, from from what I understand, they licensed the game. I mean, they paid Epic money in the first place to license the engine. They made the game, the game didn't sell, so they sued Epic for not supporting them with the engine, like not giving them technical support when they had questions and things like that. And that got yeah, shut they basically down. Alleged, they basically alleged that they gave them a buggy engine. Right. right. Uh, they said that they had, to, they had to then go in and build their own engine from scratch. And I think Epic is, is basically counter-suing them, right? Um, I, just don't their... s- I don't see where that money nine million comes in. I mean, they they paid him for the engine in the first place. They didn't just like loan it or borrow it. So why are they supposed uh, to pay him even more now? Seems kind of one sided. Oh, you've got court fees in there, I'm sure. And then yeah. uh, maybe because I I mean it, I I didn't follow the story particularly closely as it was going on, but um, I, I would guess that there was something in there about Silicon Knights. Um, I don't know if it would be you know defaming the engine, saying that the engine was buggy, and then costing Epic money for oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know because if you've got this developer that's saying, oh they gave us this bad product, then you know it's going to affect their sales. So maybe it has something to do with that. You know the, the um, potential income. And our question of the episode, uh, because some of us are already under a foot of snow in some countries like Canada. Uh, the question of the episode is, when you're snowed in, what's the best game that you like to play? So I, I guess your, your go-to game, if you're kind of stuck inside and nothing to do. Well, I think rather than go for escapism, I think I'd try and capitalize on the wintry atmosphere, and I'd play Cryostasis, The Sleep of Reason, which is the coldest game ever made, to my knowledge. <laughs> it does cold better than any other game I've played. The health system involves heat. You have to stand by fires and stick your hands out to warm up. And everything is just covered in a layer of ice. And it makes you... It's just a very frigid game that's good to play in the winter, I guess. That's way too cold. <laughs> very cold. <laughs> it's a tough question. I was trying to think of a game that would give you the feeling of being on a tropical island, and that, of course, led me to Tropico. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to tell the truth, I don't really care for the gameplay too much, but if you absolutely have to take a vacation in your brain... Come to think of it, though, I really like that idea of building on the building on the cold. Uh, oh, now, I'm, now I'm kind of torn. I'm trying to think of a, I'm trying to think of a good snow-filled game. Lost Planet. Lost Planet would be good. Cryostasis, yeah. Ooh. Tempting, mm. tempting. Skyrim. I think that's what I was thinking, yeah. For me, it's like, if it's the beginning of the winter, then I'm all excited to go snowboarding and stuff like that. 
you know, so, you know, I haven't been worn out by the cold and the dreariness, so I would just be all over uh, SSX, the, yeah, the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a, a great game. Uh, and then, like, as the winter kind of plods on, as we're getting around, like, January and February, and I'm completely sick of it and I'm waiting for summer, I have no idea. I can't think of any summer games, so I'm going to say Wave Race 64. <laughs> I'm still thinking, I don't know, because it's kind of a double-sided question. Because, um, you know, it's it's kind of asking what games do you play when there's nothing else, and I would obviously go back to, like, Counter-Strike and stuff, but we're talking about seasonal stuff. So, I, I think... Test Drive Unlimited 2, you can pretend you're in Hawaii and drive around, <laughs> cruise around. It's very nice and sunny. Occasionally rainy. Nice looking cars. Kind of weird looking people, but still nice. <laughs> uh, that's a good choice. Um, not really an awesome game, but a good choice. <clears throat> and I don't know what else. It's very, very tricky. What, what, <laughs> what games make me feel warm? Hmm... Maybe Crisis One. <laughs> yeah. No. Dark Souls. You know, in a kind of weird way, uh, Infamous actually. What? Just I'm serious because it kind of feels like there are flames coming off your body. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Zap yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it'd work. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. You said that exact thing last time. I take it back. Good. Bad, bad. Come up with something original. And now, from Evan's dungeon. Avast and ahoy, my hearties. Good night Higher and good luck this time. Good, oh, that's what we should be doing. Good night and good luck. Yeah. We need, we need like, a, a, a patented closer. That's what I feel like, yeah. We're, yeah, we're going to work on that. Patented intro with music and everything, too, Evan? Oh, what, I was? Oh, yeah. sure. Okay. <laughs> I thought Pete was going to rock out on guitar. He was, but... Don't we, I thought we already had intro music. We do. Yeah, we do. So, I'm okay. so confused. Never mind. Yeah, you're confused. It needs That's... considerably more Evan. Yeah. That's how we should start every episode, with just Evan getting confused about something. No, wait a minute. I we, don't we do already. No, if, yeah, if he, it just happens a few times an episode. If the plants live in the pipes, how can Mario go down the same pipe? Isn't he just going straight into the plant's mouth? Oh, it makes no sense. <laughs> and if you don't get that reference, Alex, I'm, I'm done. No, I get it. Sorry. Um, you can follow me at, uh, at N-I-C-K-C-A-P-O-Z-Z-O-L-I. If you, uh, if you want to follow Pete, he's um, at P-E-T-E. I-N-G-H-A-M, and you can listen to the, the two tweets that he sends out a year. <laughs> <laughs> and see, but yeah, send me questions. Uh, always trying to collect them for the end of the episode here. So if you've got any good ones, send them our way. There's like a 99% chance that we will use it. Preferably not about cake. Yeah, do, uh, don't ask us if the cake is a lie, uh, because everyone knows that uh, it wasn't. That's the thing, it really was. No, 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 stop. Nope. Don't get into it. Resist. <laughs> Alright. Okay. The cake is within all of us. <laughs> Goodbye. We are all. in the cake and the cake is with us. I, I see it in the face of every child. In the so smile of every dog. The longer this goes, the stranger it gets. Their so. teeth are like pearls of fun. Their skin Evan, creamy just, like frosting. Just say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. There you go. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Until next time. See you later.
please remember to visit www.newgamenetwork.com for the latest and greatest video game news and reviews.